Pastor Leon and his wife Sheila founded Gospel Tabernacle Church in 1982 in the heart of Lawrence, South Carolina. Since then, the Lord has richly blessed and increased the ministry and family of Gospel Tabernacle Church. Here at Gospel Tabernacle, we believe in the power of the Word of God to change the hearts and lives of believers. Gospel Tabernacle is a family church ministering to the whole family through the charismatic teaching ministry. Today's message will grow your faith and draw you close to the Lord as you open your heart to God's Word and His Spirit. Isaiah 55, verse 10, the Bible says, For as the rain comes down from heaven, and the snow from heaven, and returns not there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish the thing which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Now, believe it or not, I'm, and I'm trusting that all of you are believers, believe it or not, but that verse is absolutely true. Just like when it rains outside and it causes the earth to bring forth in bud uh, our vegetation, our plant life, our trees, uh, our pastures, everything that we have out there that depends upon water for its sustenance, for its uh, living, if you will, it makes it happen. Notice that the water ma makes it happen. The earth doesn't have a choice. If you put enough water on it, it's going to bring forth and bud. And the scripture tells us that it gives seed to the sower, bread to the eater. Two things you ought to always do in life with everything you ever get. You have something that you can sow and something that you can eat. Don't ever eat it all. Don't ever sow it all. You've you got to do both. You, you do some sowing and then you also do some eating of that that you have. Make your proper delineation between those two things because that's the purpose of the earth bringing forth. And in the verse 11, he said, so shall my word be. In other words, this word is like rain, that when I rain this word into my heart and my life, it will make me bring forth and bud. It will make me also have an ability to sow and things out there. It will ha I will have an ability to eat of the things that the word of God. And notice it said, it shall accomplish or it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Some people only get a salvation word, and their salvation word is limited. But thank God they got that. I mean, that's the most important thing. They would say to you, well, I received Jesus, you know, I think in Sunday school class when I was little, and, you know, and Jesus is uh, my Lord and, and, and that. And that's about all they know. And they received that salvation word of the Lord. And that's great, but you ought to really develop in who you are in Christ Jesus by the same word that you've gotten there. But then again, not only salvation, and that's the most important thing. How many wants to go to heaven when you die? Everybody say Amen. Absolutely. That's the most important thing. Never let that be missed. But there's some other important things in life, too. In my journey, I'm not quite going to heaven today. We might before the day's out, but maybe not. Most of us probably won't. Unless Jesus comes back, then we'll, we'll all be ready to go, and that'll be great, and we're all for that. But probably not going today. So if I'm going to be here another day, another week, or another month, another year, another decade, another 50, 60, 70 more years, ever how much longer we're going to live, if we're going to do that, uh, here on this earth, you might as well have a body that, that's not racking in pain, right? You might as well have a body that that's not, doesn't have sickness and disease in it. I mean, you might as well have a body that, that you can move and you can get about and you can do some things with. I mean, you know, we, we want those things. All of us do, I am sure. Well, do you know that the same Word of God 
that you believed and you received that got you saved is the same word of God that will heal your body. It will do the same thing. It will have the same effect on your physical body as it does on your spiritual man. There's no difference. In fact, to be saved is a greater miracle than healing. You look at some of the rats some of you and I were, right? You look at some of the louses we were in life. And God turned our life around and changed us. That took a miracle to get us changed, didn't it? Well, that's the miracle of salvation. But so that's the most difficult thing right there. But, and so you just ratchet it down to get healed. It's a lot easier to get healed than it is to get saved. I mean, you, you, the same word does both. And then the same thing in our financial life. It's, it's not that good that, that, you know, you're on your way to heaven. That's great. That's great. Most important thing. It's great. It's grand and glorious that you've got health and strength. And you can get on that treadmill like I did this morning. I bought me a watch just a few days ago. And it tells me what my heart rate is and that kind of stuff while I'm on it. That Things have changed over the years. It's amazing what they can do and uh, that kind of stuff. And so you get up to a certain rate and a certain level doing whatever you're supposed to do. It's great that you can do those kind of things. That's wonderful. But, but it's not great if you bought that watch on credit card and you can't pay for it. Well, the same word that got you saved is the same word that gets you healed as the same word that gets you blessed financially. It's the same word. There is no... It, it all makes it happen. Notice it. it. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return me void. <laughs> it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. It prospers. And, and so if you're having difficulty in, in those two areas, such as physical healing or financial healing in your life, difficult in, in those two areas of your life, if that's happening to you, then you need to apply some physical healing scriptures to your life. And it'll make your body get well. Somebody say amen. amen. Or if you've got a financial uh, problem going on, uh, apply some financial scriptures to your life. And it'll make you be blessed financially. It, it, they both work the same way. There is not a difference. God is good and he is very good. Somebody say Amen. I'll tell you what, I had this little miracle, and it's a miracle to me because I just enjoyed it so much. Wednesday after church, we left, and uh, we went home, uh, or headed home, and Sheila, as she often does sometimes, you know, there's just the couple of us there in the house, and so, you know, who, who wants to cook, cook for two people, you know? I mean, especially when you can do some other things that don't cost a whole lot more anyway. And So anyway, Sheila says, why don't we get a, a, a pizza and just take it home? I said, good idea good idea so we call down i say hey siri call little caesars and siri calls little caesars for me and i tell them i look i want a pizza and they tell them what we want and so we're trying to you know watch this weight thing and so i just order the pizza by itself and so we go down to little caesars i get there and this sweet little precious little girl was right there behind the counter and she came up and uh you know she had a little something uh sort of sort of going on and physically where anyway she just needed a blessing so anyway she she was there and um she was uh, uh, talking to us, and so I, I went to pay for the thing. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, what, we got that, and I saw some breadsticks. And she loves breadsticks. We try to stay away from them. But she does love them. I said, well, you know, getting close to her birthday here, I'll just get one. So, uh-oh, Siri just answered me on my iPad. And when I said, Sheila loves breadsticks, I said, sorry, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> quiet, Siri, Quiet. Don't talk to me anymore. Come out. Where am I at? Anyway. 
don't move, be, be careful what you say you know, around these things that are talking to you. Bill Gates is listening. Uh, or in that case, not Bill Gates, but uh, Steve Jobs. Well, Steve Jobs, well, no, he's not listening anymore. But anyway, somebody's listening to you. So, so anyway, so we go down there, and this little precious little girl comes up there, and she's uh, uh, doing her thing. And I said, well, you know, just give me those two. She said, well, but you already ordered the other online. I've got to let you pay for that first. I said, okay, I'll pay for that. At first, and, and so I was trying to, I, I, I got some money out, and I had I got it out of our dresser and that kind of thing, and I, at home, we keep money in there, just restock when we need it, and so uh, I had a $100 bill, and I'm trying to break the, I hate $100 bill, but I had this $100 bill, and I said, well, here, and she said, I'm sorry, they won't let me take anything above a 20, I said, oh, okay, that's fine, and I just folded it up, put it in my hand, and I pulled out a 20 and gave it to her, and then so she paid for that, and I, and I said, what about the breast? She said, that's $4.39. I said, okay, and I gave her a $5 bill right there for those breadsticks and cash there. I gave her that, and uh, she looked a minute, and she put her hand in her pocket like this, and pulled her pocket, and she's done like this, and she dropped that in there like that. And then when she did drop that in there and pay for it, then she handed me a dollar. I said, well, I thought it was four thirty-nine. You only, you only got, you know, $4 because you give me a dollar. She said, yeah, it was four thirty-nine. I had 39 cents in my pocket, and I just want to give it to you, and it and the Lord good. Oh, and she wrote my heart when she said that. She said, isn't the Lord God? I said, he sure is. I said, thank you so much. He is real, real good. He is. And I'm standing there, and she's got everything packaged up for me. She put extra cheese in it. I mean, she was just so nice. Done everything she was supposed to do. And as I pick it up, I still had that 100 in my hand. I said, what am I going to do with that? And I saw her standing there, and I, and I said, here, you can have this. God bless you. And she said, what? I said, isn't the Lord good? And I handed it to her, and she went, oh, God. And she raised both hands like that. But I can never do things like that until I started obeying the word on finances. But the word will put you in that kind of position in life. So anyway, let it rain. Somebody say amen. Let it rain. All right, all right. So, so we're, we're at that place at the word of God in our life. How important this Bible, B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. How important this Bible is to us. It is my life. It is my joy. It is my security. It is my peace. It is everything I need in life. This is it right here. This is it. If you're looking for something out there to be piped into you that will fix you and correct you and make you right or do this or do that or will change your course or your lot in life, it just ain't going to happen. The Bible says in the book of Romans that, or 1 Corinthians chapter 1 through the preaching of the gospel, the foolishness, if you will, of the preaching of the gospel. God has chosen that to save, sozo, the entire thing to save men and women. It's through this right here. This is it. The sooner you learn that, the sooner that, that becomes a part of your life, the, the sooner you can really make real substantial change in your life when you realize this is it. There ain't no more going to happen. When God told me to do what I'm supposed to do and that's it and he gave me the instruction, I needn't expect God to come over here and say, okay, I know I gave you the instruction what to do, but you didn't do it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. That just don't work. You deceive your own selves. The Bible says in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, that we're, we are deceiving our own selves if we think we can look into a mirror and just walk away and not do anything. When you look into the mirror of the Word of God, you've got to do what the Word of God says. And if you'll do that, you'll see as it rains on you, it will make you bring forth. I mean, you don't have to be concerned about it. You don't worry about it. You don't fret about it. You're not concerned about it. It will make you bring forth. 
when you plant that word into your life. Okay, so we've been talking about that. We went through some basics of the Bible and the divisions of the Bible, some generic stuff that you really need to learn and that kind of thing too. We talked about that a little bit. We talked about how to understand the Bible, how to read it and study it and be more noble than those that are at Thessalonica and that you search the Scriptures day and night. So when you hear me say something, don't just say, okay, that's the gospel truth because, you know, Leon said it. No, 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 no. You go to the Word of God, you look it up, you search it, you study it, and, and you let it be your truth. If it's my truth, that's fine, and my truth is what the Word of God is. But, but don't just take it because I say it. Take it because the Word of God says it, and the Word of God is truth. The Bible says in the book of John, chapter 17, verse 17, thy Word is truth. And so we recognize that. We saw that. We saw about memorizing Scripture. We talked about meditating the Scripture where I mutter it, and I just speak it to myself constantly, day and night. It becomes a real reality in my life. We talked about that. We, we talked about uh, mixing faith with the Word of God. And what does mixing faith with the Word of God mean? It means acting on it. Faith is simply acting on the Word of God. I've said this for years. When you have a Bible promise, what you know is not faith. What you hope is not faith. What you act upon of the Word, that's when you have faith in the Word. For all of the Word that you know but you don't do, you don't have faith in it. Oh, yes, I do, Pastor. No, no. You only have faith in what you act on, for faith without works is dead. Three times in the book of James, chapter 2. Faith without works is dead being alone. You only have faith for what you apply to your life in actively obeying and acting on the Word of God. And so recognize that a lot of people, a lot of people hope the Word of God is so. They hope the Word of God is true. They have a hope in the things of God. And, and, and hope is a building block to get you to faith, but it's not faith. I mean, it's important. If it, for a starting out place, yeah, let's have some hope. Let's do Let's have that twinkle in our eye, and that sparkle, you know, that was kind of thing. And what is it we got in our step? Let's have some of that hope-wise. But let's move on from hope unto faith. Now then, and so we talked about mixing faith. We, we talked about how the Spirit of God revealing stuff to us. I have not seen, you have not heard the things that God has prepared for them that love Him, but God hath revealed them to us by His Spirit. Watch it, First Corinthians chapter 2, 8, 9, right along in there. You see it? And, and so there that is. We talked about that. We talked about last time that all Scripture is from God. All Scripture uh, is given by inspiration of God. Don't read this just like it is an ordinary book written by ordinary men. I think there's 40 different writers of this book. It was written over a period of 1,500 years. And, and so uh, don't read it just because well, John said that. Well, he did. John did say that. John did. We don't deny that John said whatever John said. But I'm not reading it like John said it. I'm reading it like the Holy Spirit said it through John to me. And so that's where we go with the Word of God, as long as it's just what John said, as long as it's what Peter said. You know, you'll have a certain amount of biblical knowledge, but not biblical faith. You have to recognize what the Scripture is, and all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is God-breathed. It's if God breathed an individual and the word of God came out of their mouths we, we saw in second Peter chapter 1 the last thing we looked at knowing this that no uh, scripture is of a private interpretation for holy men of old spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost and so 
they were not just speaking because they had a book they wanted to write or something they wanted to publish. And you hear that from people, you know, all the time. I got someone to write. I don't want to do. I said, writing the book's not hard. That's not the hard. Printing the book's not hard. The, the difficulty comes in marketing the book and find somebody's going to buy your book once you do it. And so you've got to have somebody to buy your book other than you and your four people in your household and your 18 family members. You know, if you're going to write a book and make it work. And, and so think about it. They didn't just come with an idea and said, you know, we're going to write books. No, that's not what they did. It was God breathed by God through them. Holy men spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost, and it came out. I look at it a lot of times just like you think about tongues and interpretation or prophecy. There is the tongue and the unknown tongue. The interpretation of that tongue tells you what the tongue said, or someone may just give a direct prophetic word. But So it's not a word that they just you know, formulated in their mind or heart or spirit spoke, but it's the Holy Ghost moved through them through tongues interpretation or through prophecy. The Holy Ghost moved through these people to speak and write the Word of God. And so we've got the Word of God. This is it. This is God's Word. It is right there. Now, turn with me. Let's look at something new. Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19. Because some people ask the question, well, 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 how, what makes you know that the Word of God is true? What, what makes you believe the Word of God is true? Well, here, here's a very good scripture that many of us look at, and, and this is where I'm going to start at today when we think about this. Why is the Word of God true? What makes you believe it? Because here's what happens. We live on planet Earth, and from the day we are born and able to hear and comprehend the language, if we're here in America and we speak English and that kind of thing, here and comprehend the English language, we hear people, and a lot of what we hear from people are lies. How many has, I don't know, do we still call it, how many has a television in your house? When you turn it on, it's probably going to take you about a minute and a half to hear a lie. It won't take long. Now, it isn't going to be lying to you through the commercials or lying to you through the movies or through the program that you're watching. It, it, it's a lie. One of my favorite shows is, you know, old-time show is Andy Griffith and Mayberry. But them folks lie on there all the time. I mean, you, just, you can just spot them out continually. And, and we're taught. It's sort of ingrained in us that people lie. And we want to pretty up our lies. Because if we don't lie anymore, we just have a, yeah, it's just a little lie. Or we whiten it up. Little white lie. Whatever the case might be. And all that kind of stuff we do. In, yeah, it's not that everybody lies. No, they don't. Not everybody. Everybody say, Everybody doesn't lie. Say it this way. Say, Christians don't lie. One of the Ten Commandments tells us that we do not bear false witness. We, we don't lie. We, we do not lie. Well, and what we come as we're schooled and trained in it all of our life. We hear those lies bombarding us day in and day out. We're told the most crazy things we've ever heard in our lives. I listen to a lot of YouTube videos. In fact, that's about all we listen to and we select what we want to look at. And one of the things comes on and people just, you know, they monetize their videos. And uh, what are we at now on YouTube? Well, how many subscribers? 475 subscribers on YouTube. So we start and get some traction there and start to head that direction. But, but when you listen on YouTube, they'll monetize it and they'll put videos on there, little short clips and those kind of things. And that, there's one little clip keeps coming on here at the first of the year and it says, guys, doing like this. And he says, Whoever said that you have to exercise, lose weight. And so for the next one minute, I cut him off before he got through doing that. But he was telling me how you could lose weight without exercising, without eating right, without doing anything, except his plan, which just happened to talk, cost eighty nine ninety nine to find out the rest of the way. Now, the thing about it is, wow, that's, that looks like what I've been looking for. 
But I've been wanting to lose some weight without exercising and without eating, right? <laughs> that's right up my alley. Woo, that sounds good, don't it? But it's also a, it's a lie. You lie, you lie to me. Woo, anyway, because that's why I've been hurt. But anyway, it's just a lie. And we're fed of that stuff, and we come to the Word of God, and we don't know whether to believe God or not. But you have to get in your thinking, God is not a man that he should lie. Look at Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. He don't have to repent. He ain't lied nothing to repent about. Hath he said, and shall he not do it, question mark? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good, question mark? The answer to both of those things is no. He, he hasn't said something and not done it. No, he always does what he says. Uh, he hasn't spoken something and not made it good. He always makes it good. Why? Because God's not like a man that lies. God doesn't lie. Everybody say, God doesn't lie. And so when I open the Holy Word, the Bible, and I read in Scripture, I don't know, all kind of promises, but I read in Scripture that by stripes I'm healed, then I know that my way of healing is by the stripes of Christ born at Calvary, just like by His blood spilled on Calvary I'm saved. By His stripes I, I am healed. I know that that is the truth. Anything outside of that's a lie. And I'm not going to accept it. Not going to believe it. Now the devil will try to talk you into it. The devil will try to convince you that what's going on in this world is the truth and this is the lie. Well, you know, that was written a long time ago. So you take a long time ago and you make a lie out of the Bible. Well, that was written for people in the old covenant or the new covenant thousands of years ago. Not for you today. This is modern man today. Well, we don't have a thing today like casting out devils. They just used casting out devils back then. Jesus used that terminology and that language because the society that he lived in, that's what they believed. And so he said that. And now we know they are just psychological disorders. Oh, Lord. I had a psychological disorder grab me around the throat one time. There wasn't no psychological. That, that little girl was devil-possessed. It wasn't no psychological disorder about that thing. It wasn't no figment of my imagination. Mm, I hadn't left the marks on my neck. So, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. You look at that and you want to you look at this and just say, it's a lie. No, 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 no. You start in that place. No, 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 no. This is true. Now then. Let me give you this caveat. I may not understand it, but that's still true. It may not even be my present reality. It's still true. You and I may not agree on it, but that's still true. We may have a whole denomination of churches that are raised up that don't believe it, but it's still true. You've got to come to that. God does not lie. He is not a man that he should lie. And so if any reason, shape, form, or fashion... I am not living up to the promise that God has given me, then the problem and the error has got to be on my part. It can't be on God's part because he doesn't lie. And so then I'll begin to investigate Leon, find out what's going on with this young fellow right here, what's happening in his life. I'll begin to look at that. And invariably, when I have not received the promise of God, there's always been something going on here, not there. Well, it's just not God's time. You don't understand, Leon. God has a time for stuff. I don't know. I thought I read in the Word of God where now is the day of salvation. 
Is that right? Is that right? Sure it is. Well, salvation is a total package. Almost 16 different Greek words are, are translated through that word sozo. And we see it there, and it means just, just everything. I mean, it's peace, it's, it's, it's prosperity, it's blessing, it's health, it's healing, it's salvation. It's all these good justification, righteousness, all kind of good things is what it is. And so we recognize right now is that time. You've got to get to the place God's not a liar. He does not lie. And what he says is the truth, and that's what he says. That's what we're going to go with. Amen? All right, now, let, let me give you another reason. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Here, here's a real good one. How do you know the Bible's true? How do you know the Bible's true? Well, one way you know things are true is if it works. And that's a simple reality. If the thing works, then it's true. You know, if it works. If it says it'll do this and it does it, then when it said it would do it, eh, it's true, it worked. And so one thing, and I heard T.L. Osborne say this many, many years ago, 1980 actually, in Atlanta, Georgia. And he talked about why he believed the Bible was true. And he said this, he said, because the people that taught it to me were good people. In the farming community that T.L. Osborne grew up in, and uh, he said the people around him were just good people. They didn't lie on anybody. They didn't steal from one another. They didn't cheat anybody. They, they didn't do bodily harm to anybody, that kind of thing. They didn't go around killing, murdering people. They were good people. And the good people told him that the Bible was true. And T.L. says, that, that's one reason. That's not the only. But that's one reason why I believe the Bible, because the people that taught it to me were good people. Well, I, I can sort of bear that out with Scripture. Look at Second Corinthians 5, verse 17, which says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. When you are saved, it changes you. Notice, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. It's the power of the new birth. And verse 18, all things are of God now, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the same ministry that we are to reconcile others. But the point I want you to see is this, is the new creation or the power of salvation changes you. It changes you not just in your mind, not just the outer things that we say and, and do and what does appear on the outside, but he changes you from the inside. He makes a brand new you out of you. When I was born again, and Sheila, on a Sunday morning in 1975, in October of that year, one of the things that had kept me from salvation is I didn't want to be like a lot of Christians I had saw. And I had saw a lot of Christians. Boy, they looked so sad. They looked so down and out. They looked like this was the last day on planet Earth. I just looked terrible. And I just said, well, I really want to do that because I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But not right now. And for me, a good time to get saved was way out there. I had two times to get saved. One was right before I died, about five minutes before I died. Because I really want to live it up and have a great time between now and then. Or, or, you know, or if an accident happened, of course, I wanted God to alert me and get me saved there. You know, if I got in a car wreck, let me, you know, lay there bleeding long enough to ask God to forgive me and then die. Uh, you know, I, I just wanted that last chance out, the last boatload going, you know, the last train leaving. That's the one I wanted to be on. Because between now and then, I'm going to have a lot of fun, do a lot of things that I wanted to do. And that's what I thought about salvation. 
And the thing was, when I actually gave my heart Lord, to, to the Lord that morning, on that Sunday morning, when the Lord appeared in my room that day, His presence, not present, but His presence was there in my room, and I could do nothing but ask God for forgiveness, and I could do nothing but say, Lord, please save me. And, and, and I, I made a commitment in my life. I don't care if I have to live like so many people I've seen that are, are sad and down and out and just look like I've been eating prunes all day long. I don't, I'll do that. If that's what I have to do, if that's what I have to do, I'll do it because your presence is certainly worth it. So I came to him on that basis, a stupid basis, but I came to him on that basis. And when I became born again, an incredible joy filled my life. When I came born again that Sunday morning in, in our bedroom together, when that happened, and I got Sheila up and said, you got to get saved. I just got this thing. You've got to get it too. But I ain't going to heaven without you. We're all going together. And so she did, and we did. And incredible joy and peace entered our lives that morning. I went to church that Sunday morning, told my dear pastor, who I love greatly, that I got saved. And he let me testify, and I told everybody about it. And it was a changed life. The me, the me that I was changed. We had always sat on the back seat of the church. We were behind everybody. We sat on the back. When we got saved, we moved right down the front, second pew from the front. And the pastor we had was a good man, but when he preached, sometimes he'd take his shoes off and throw them. But he, I don't know why. I don't know why. But sometimes he'd do that, and you sat right there. That was a dangerous spot to sit, but I did. I figured I could catch a shoe or duck one, you know, whatever. But uh, he was a great man, a good man. We had a wonderful knowledge of the Word of God. But anyway, anyway, that changed our lives. It, it changed who we were. I no longer wanted to care about being in accounting, and I loved to be in accounting all my life. I no longer played music, uh, you know, perform that kind of thing, and I've been doing that. No longer want to do any of that at all. I just gave it every bit to God. It changed. And I found I was, I was the happiest person I've ever been in my life because the devil had lied to me, lied to me, lied to me when he tried to keep me away from salvation. And I came to him on that basis. And then my life changed. I was no longer the no-good Leon that I was. I was now the righteousness of God in Christ. I was now a saint of God. My mind thought differently. Something went on differently in our lives, and we immediately began to live our lives for the Lord. I remember a good friend of mine. He pastors in Jordan. His name is Bob Tate. He's a great man. I love him. love him. And uh, we started out uh, uh, getting saved right along the same period of time. And uh, when we did, uh, he was doing some things in churches, and I'd often go down to help him and everything I could. Uh, to help him, and so we were together one time, and there was this young guy uh, that uh, talked to Bob and said, look, I want you guys to pray for me. I got a problem, and Bob asked him what the problem was. He said, well, I'm smoking cigarettes, and I, and I want to quit. I want to give this up, and Bob said, okay. I got a friend of mine. I'm going to call him. We're going to come down. We're going to meet you at the church. We're going to pray, so he did. He called me. We got together, went down to the church, and we went down to the altar of this little church, and we were there, and this guy come up, and he, he said, yeah, he wanted to, you know, get rid of those cigarettes. He said they were hurting him, and he couldn't breathe, and all this kind of stuff, and he just wanted to get rid of them, didn't want to power them broken. I said, okay, let's, we're going to pray to get rid of that, and Bob and I both sort of jointly, and no more me than him, no more him than me. We were just sort of there working together, and so we prayed for this uh, uh, young man. So first thing you need to do to get saved, give your heart to the Lord. He said, now here's what's going to happen when you get saved, and according to that verse, second, uh, where we're at, Second Corinthians five seventeen. If any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. And we're going to make a new creature out of you. And said, so, okay, he said, okay, let's do that. And so we prayed and led him in a sinner's prayer. He prayed, man. He he was he was saved. He was born again right there. My, Bob and I were there praying with him. And man, he got saved. So after we sort of, you know, settled down from our praising the Lord because he was saved and all that, and happy and joyful and all that, sort of settled down. He said, now then, now then, let's get you free from cigarettes. And he said, what cigarettes? I said, the cigarettes you said that had you bound that you want to get rid of that you couldn't breathe. He said, 
I don't know who that is. I don't smoke cigarettes. That's what he said to us. And, and so I said, and Bob said, we both said, well, hey, if that's where you're at, we're not going to question any of this. That's fine. Yeah, you don't deliver something that don't need delivered, do you? No. What happened? The new birth changed him. It took it out of him. And as far as I know now, and I kept up with him several years after, as far as I know, he never went back to those cigarettes and he kept on living for God. Didn't ever have a problem with it because that new man didn't smoke. The old man did, but not the new man. And so how can that happen? Bob and I, as much as I love my dear brother Bob, he can do so much more than I, I'm, I'm sure. But neither he nor me, we can't change nobody. But the Word of God can. The Word of God can change your life. Everybody say, the Word of God can change my life. And, and, and so that's uh, two reasons why the Bible is true. One is because God's not a liar. And number two, because it works. It just flat works. It works. This thing works. All right, now let me sh show you a few other little things. The Bible will tell you. Some people say, I don't know where I'm going. don't know what I'm doing in life and all that kind of stuff. But the Bible will reveal God's plan for you. It'll tell you what you're supposed to do in your life and reveal the overall plan of God. I remember in the 60s, all these people were trying to find themselves. You remember those people? They all trying to find themselves somewhere. I didn't know. I never understood that. I, I, didn't, I didn't know about that. I don't know. I, I don't want to be putting people in a caste system. But it seemed like a lot of those people trying to find themselves were growing up in wealthy homes or something because in the poor homes like what I was in, we found ourselves real quick. I found myself when I was 10 years old with a paper route and Watts Mill. And that'll help you find yourself when you've got a job. Somebody say amen. If you're trying to find yourself, go get a job. Somebody say amen. You'll find yourself pretty quick. But anyway, they're all trying to find themselves, trying to find, didn't know what their plan or their life was. And, they, and there was a generation lost in space. Remember that program, that program Generation Lost in Space? And the, the other one is uh, American Pie. We made this song about, about what, two hours long, uh, American Pie song. But anyway, they were lost in space. They were all trying to find themselves. Not knowing what was happening, what was going on, and they just they they just had uh, checked out for this time of their life. They just dropped out for this time. I didn't know where they. But you know, you don't have to be like that. You don't have to say, "Where am I going? What am I doing? What are my tomorrows going to be?" God's got the whole plan. Look, look at a very simple plan. Look at John three sixteen. Turn there, John three sixteen. Let me just show you a real simple plan that you can see uh, in Scripture. John chapter three, and then look at verse sixteen. You probably know that by heart. And, uh, but let's, let's just read it just for uh, the fun of it and for planting seed in our life. Let's read, read it that way, and uh, we'll get there for that. John 3 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. In other words, the world, back it up, starts at the end of the verse, go backwards. The world is going to perish. Everything you see out here that is not washed in the blood of Jesus, every person, they are all perishing. I was perishing before I was born again. You were perishing before you were born again. If you're here today and you never made Jesus Lord of your life, you are perishing. Your life is going to come to an end physically, and there's going to be everlasting punishment for you. That's the whole world system, what's happening. Back it up some. But however, whoever believes in Jesus will not perish. 
And then how do we get to that place of not perishing, though? Back it up. Somebody gave their only begotten son. Who gave their only begotten son? Back it up. God. Why did he give his only begotten son? Because he loved you. And so the plan of God right now is to bring salvation for everybody on planet earth. What is God's will? The Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that should all should come to repentance. It is not God's will that one single person live their life outside of Christ and lose their life in this world and in this earth and go out into all eternity without God and forevermore be separated from God and confined to a devil's hell for all eternity. It is not God's will for that to happen to any one individual on planet earth. So right now, I've got an overview of God's plan. The world is headed to hell. The world is perishing. But God loves this world so much that he sent Jesus to take the place of those that are perishing. And if we believe on him, we don't have to perish, but we can have eternal and everlasting life. Plan of God in a nutshell. Not hard to understand. Very easy to understand. That's what it is. So you, you don't have to be wondering, just what is life all about? What is this world all about? What, what are things all about? In our, how do we understand our existence? All those kind of things that people come up with, these wacko ideas where they you know, don't have a clue, and the clue is right in front of them all the time, but they don't accept it. But it's there for them. And we know the plan of God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 26. Look at Acts chapter 26. Let me show you what, what Jesus said. I'm going to show you the words in red. Did you know this? Did you know that most people think Jesus only said anything in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Remember now you've got a Bible. We're talking about the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus did say a lot of things. They were recorded there. They're written in red. But there's some stuff written in red uh, in other places of the Bible too. Some in Corinthians where he talked about that, uh, uh, that communion service. And go to the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and chapter 3, and chapter 1, some in there. You see things there that are written in red too where Jesus was speaking and he was talking. And also here in the book of Acts, you see something written in red. In Acts 26, remember Saul was out persecuting the ch church and Saul was struck down on the road to Damascus by this great shining light and, and God just interrupted his life and came to him and offered him salvation and thankfully, thankfully Saul accepted it and later God changed his name from Saul to Paul. And that's the person we know as Paul that wrote 14 books in the New Testament. And so Paul is sort of finishing things up in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 26. And uh, he and Peter and everybody, when, when they have gotten saved, remember, it's, all, it's a Jewish community. They have all gotten saved. Jesus is a Jewish person. And so the disciples, they're Jewish. and They're all Jewish and everybody. And so they're going to synagogue. They're doing Jew, Jewish things and all this kind of stuff. And uh, here, now, Paul is getting to the... Uh, part of his ministry, and we look at it in the book of Acts, where he's been called, and he's went to the Jewish people. Sadly, the Jewish people have rejected even the message of Christ Jesus that Paul and Peter are preaching, and, and, and Paul is out there, and then Jesus appears to him, and he tells him, Here, here's a plan, and here it is, Acts 26 and, and verse 15. Jesus appeared to Paul and said, Who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus whom you have persecuted. That's who I am. My, my. Verse 16, but rise and stand upon your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of these things which you have seen and of those things which I will appear unto you. In other words, Paul, I, I've showed you some things, 
you're going to witness those things, but you're also going to, there's be some other stuff I'll talk to you about too. And you'll tell that too. Verse 17, here's what you're going to do. Delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles of whom I now send you. In other words, we've, we've dealt with the Jewish community. You faced a lot of resistance, a lot of rejection there. Now, Paul, you're going to have to go talk to the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? Everybody but Jewish people. Jewish born now we're talking. And so, by blood. And so, verse 18, here's what I want you to tell them. So, here's the plan of God. Open their eyes. Everybody say, Lord, open my eyes. That's your plan. To get your eyes open. Because the devil has tried to close our eyes to the things of God and keep our eyes open to the things of the devil. Okay? That's what the devil tries to do. And so part of the plan is to get your eyes just to pop open. I see it. I see it now. I see it. Okay? Well, there's an old song that talks about that. To open their eyes and to turn them. Once your eyes get open, not just enough to see what's out there in, in the right way, but now make a turn from darkness to light. I turn from darkness to light. If it's got anything to do with the devil, we turn from the devil to God. Now, don't just say, okay, I turn from the devil to God. And also, take it down to where you're going to stand it and go down to your LCD screen in your house or your television, and sometimes you turn the channel from the devil to God. Somebody say amen. So it's not just a religious thing. Oh, yes, I turn from the devil unto God. Amen, amen, amen. We're all going out and watch X-rated picture tonight. But anyway, oh, no. No, when you turn from the devil to God, you turn from them X-rated pictures. Somebody say amen. R-rated, PG-13. They cast and turn it. But when I, when I watch a show where they said, oh, Sheila, damn. I'm not watching a show where they damn Sheila every five minutes. Somebody say amen. So I sure ain't going to watch a show either where they, they damn our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and God himself every five minutes either. When they spit them words out, you just got cut off on our TV. That remote works that way. We even got one you can talk to. You tell it, cut that off. The remote said, why? Because they cussed. Anyway, anybody got any talking remotes to talk back to you? But anyway, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. That's what you're doing. You're turning from darkness. That's God's plan. Everything in your life is darkness. Turn from it. Get away from it. I mean, if it has anything to even hints of the devil, get away. You don't need nothing to do with that. I mean, unless you know how to blow a flute, make a, you know, a cobra come out of a basket, don't mess with any snakes. If you see one in the way... Don't get out there and try to kiss a snake just because you can. I mean, it's, it's crazy. You know, you still and I went to that snake island service, and some people were crazy. Now I have to admit, we, we did sit on the back pew that night. Yeah, <laughs> people were crazy. But I won't kiss no snake. Ask me, I want him one. No, I don't want one. I didn't drive 250 miles to handle a snake. I drove 250 miles to see you handle one. It's sad, too. Some people are handling them snakes and handling them like this. I said, how come you handle a snake like that? Said, because that's when I got bit and it paralyzed my finger and it won't move anymore. <laughs> and I said, you trying to hand me that snake? I'll be playing the bass like this. He handled a snake. Bless God. Now, turn from, if it's dark, you don't want it. If it's a snake, it's going to bite you sooner or later. What, the last administration, remember the president talked about that poem about the snake? And you took the snake up and uh, you, you did good for it and all this kind of stuff. And finally in the end, the snake bit you. 
And snake said to him, you should have known I was a snake. I just do what snakes do. So, you know, right here it is. Get away from the snake. Turn from darkness to light. From the power of Satan unto God. If you've got anything in your life, people ask different things about habits and this kind of stuff. Well, pastor, should I get rid of this, get rid of that? Anything that dominates your life, get rid of it. If it's got dominion over you, get rid of it. Turn from that dominion of darkness unto God, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance. We want a forgiveness of sins. Somebody say amen. But you've got an inheritance too. I mean, the Bible tells you all about what you've been given. And it's yours. Find out what's due you. Fight for it just like you was if you, if you was in court probating a will, you know, that kind of thing. Hey, that's mine. They left that to me. That's mine. You're not touching that. That's mine. Why? Because legally it was transferred to you through the power of the will. Through the power of the will, you've got a lot of stuff being legally transferred to you. It's your inheritance. Everybody say, I have an inheritance. That's God is mine. Why Brother Kenyon wrote so many years ago when we're talking about faith, it's not trying to get it. Yeah, you already got it. It's mine. Bless God, I have it now. Somebody say, I have it now. That's when we speak, when we speak faith. We don't come to God begging, crying, screaming, getting God to do something for us, hope one day he just might be having on a, you know, uh, be on the good foot, so to speak, and he just might be happy that day. And I was well, I guess I'll bless Leon today. Well, okay, here's a little blessing for you. Let's see what you do with it. No, 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 no. No, the Bible tells me what blessings are already mine, and what I, my job is to say, yes, Lord, I see it, I hear it, I believe it, and I have it now in Jesus' name. Everybody say, I have it now. What are you waiting for? I mean, you know, the will's already been probated 2,000 years ago at Calvary. What are you waiting for? It's already yours. It's mine. It's yours. We have it right now, bless God. You say, well, what about this, that, and that? Well, the devil might be trying to stand in your way. He might have his hands on the wheel. and might cover it up some of it so you can't see it. Or brought his lawyer team in of devils and imps and those kind of things and demons. Brought his lawyer team in trying to jew you out and get rid of all these things in your life. No, it's yours. You have it now. It's yours. Don't let anybody cheat you out of the blessings of God. Amen? All right, now notice what he said, verse 18. The power of Satan unto God, that you may receive forgiveness and the inheritance among them which are sanctified. How, how, how? By faith. By faith. Oh, I thought God was just going to give it to me. You mean I got to do something? Yeah, you got to believe God. You got to trust God. Believe it by faith. Everything is by faith. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so you, you've got to do that without faith, without faith. Mark 9, 23, All things are possible to him that believes. And so the believer, the person who acts on his faith, where you get your faith? What, what are you acting on? Right here. And, and you have to realize that if you've ever been in a, a circumstance or a situation in, in life, you're looking at some things that you, you had needs in your life. I've been there. We've all been there. And, and sometimes you'll want to, in the midst of your need, you'll want to appeal to God on some other grounds other than faith. You say, well, how do we do that? Well, we say things like, Lord, don't you see how bad I'm hurting? Don't you see? Sometimes the, 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 the man that we are, the woman that we are, the mankind is when speaking. But sometimes humanity will, will do that, and, and we'll look at our hurts and our pains, and we'll say, God, won't you do something about it? 
and we bypass the fact that he's already done something about it. We tend to put our present experience like we need God now to come do something about it. And sometimes it irritates me because I just don't have that particular language. I, I know people are trying to encourage people and that kind of stuff. But, you know, every, so often every year, especially year changes, they'll say, well, this year is going to be the best year for this, or best year for that, or this is going to be the year where you get this blessing, you'll get that blessing. God's now ready to get, and you see those kind of things on post and Facebook. You know, God's about to do this. And I always ask, well, when do you think he might do it? You say he's about to. When is this about to about to happen? Or this is your year of what? Is your year of something? Well, what was my year last year? That wasn't that good then, was it? I wonder why God didn't do last year what he's going to do this year. And if this is this year for this, what's next year going to be? What, what's going what's to happen there? What I found out was this. All of my years of blessings happened 2,000 years ago at the cross of Christ Jesus, and I have everything promised is available to me right now. All I got to do is reach out and take it. And we take it. We take it by our faith. We take it. Glory Copeland can say it so good. Take it. Take it, you say. We take it by our faith. We reach out in the word of God. We speak the word. We believe the word. We act on the word. Therefore, we took it. And it becomes a reality in our life. If I'm waiting for God to come do something else and to come to do something more. I, I mean, all the, these kind of things. I heard one pastor talking about just the other day. Uh, and this just a few days ago. California, different pastor, maybe not quite of our persuasion, but a good man. But he was talking about people uh, going to heaven. And he said, when got, people got to heaven, there's going to be two classes. There's going to be one class that got to heaven that really were people that believed and acted on the word of God and, and lived out the word of God to, you know, the best that they could. And God's grace and blessings on them, of course. And, and, and they, they did. And there's going to be this other group that they didn't really do any of that, but they get there. And when they get there, they're going to be, you know, taught how to do other things to rise up to the level of the other people. that acted on. And I'm, I'm thinking, what they're going to be taught up there that you can't be taught down here? What are you going to do to them there that you can't do to them here? Is there anything more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ? No, there's not. So what could be in somebody say, when I get to heaven, all this will be straight now and I'm taken care of. Uh, what's in heaven going to fix you that the blood won't fix you for down here? What, what is heaven going to do for you that down here won't do for you through the power of the word of God and through the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of the name of Jesus, the wonderful grace and mercy of Almighty? You know, you've got it all now. God, if you can just ever have your eyes pop open like he's talking about here in Acts, pop open, and you see that, hey, it's mine. I got it now. It's mine. I don't have to live this way any longer. I don't have to act this way any longer. I don't have to live under this bondage or this dominion. I don't have to live under, live under this fear. I don't have to live under this sickness or disease or this poverty. I don't have to live that way anymore. It's mine right now. I've got it now. And you begin acting on the Word of God, believing the Word of God, speaking the Word of God, planning the Word of God in your life, and it begins and it makes you bring forth, and you bring forth the harvest of what the Word of God promised you in your life. It's that simple and it's that easy. Anybody can do it. If I can do it, and some of you can do it, anybody can do it. Somebody say, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anybody can. Get to that place. It's not that God has some special pet and come down and said, I'm going to bless you, but you, I don't think so. You, I'm going to bless. 
but you have got all these kind of different things I've got for you, hardship after hardship, pain and suffering, all the kind of stuff you've got to go through. I'm going to make a better person, you know, whatever. It might take you 20, 30 years to get. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Don't, don't get involved in any of that. Recognize that God loves you. He loves you right now. I mean, we, we have our precious uh, uh, granddaughter that's in our home and that kind of thing, and she'll come and that right there, and we just, you know, like we said before, we just have a, a, a difficult time, you know, saying no to her and that kind of stuff or uh, whatever, we want to say yes, and, and told her the other day we're going to start teaching her the value of money because I felt like we were spoiling her. And so I said, we're going to teach her the value of the money that whenever she comes and we want to, you know, tell her to do something, then we can reward her for that if she does it. And so I don't know if, you know, if I say, Naomi, hand me that television remote. I don't know if $20 is too much to reward for that or not. But anyway, she needs to learn. Uh, we're working on it. We're working on it. We're not going to spoil her. We want her to work for what she gets. But anyway, God's good, isn't he? Plant the word of God in your life. It'll change your world. Amen? Stay with me this morning. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. In Jesus' name. Father God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Stretch your hands up toward heaven. Stretch your hands toward heaven. Close your eyes if that makes you feel, you know, more comfortable toward heaven, toward God. In, in, in a way, just tune us out. If that, that's what I'm talking about. In Jesus' name. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you, Lord, to look into my heart and my life. Anything you find there, not like Jesus take it away forgive me cleanse me of all sin and anything that is against you almighty God I covenant promise in my life to live for you all the days of my life from this day forward I will hear your word I will speak your word I will act on your word and I will believe for your word to come to pass in my life. For every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, it is mine. I have the promises of God. I have them now. And I shall act like it and walk them out in my life. By the grace of God and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Give the Lord a hand clap. Come on. Glory to God. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this faith-filled message. Please connect with us at our website, gospeltabernaclechurch.com, so we can continue to be a part of your faith walk. And if you're listening today and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, now is the time to do that. Now, today, is the day of salvation. Pray this prayer with me. Dear Father, I believe you sent your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die for my sins on the cross. And you have raised him from the dead that I might be alive in him. Jesus, I confess you are Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome. You're now in the family of God. You're a child of God. Connect with us. Let us know if you prayed that prayer. We want to be right there alongside you as you walk out this journey of faith in Christ. 
God bless you.